The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Now, the sea has always been part of my next guest's life. Her earliest memories are jumping off her father's trawler in Dingle Harbour, swimming back to the shore. But since then, she's swum in some of the coldest, most remote and most dangerous waters in the world. And now she's detailed those adventures in her new book, which is called Limitless. Nuala Moore, good morning and welcome. Good morning and thank you for having me here. Now, uh, the book opens with uh, you about to swim in the most dangerous and volatile body of water on the planet. It's called the Drake Passage. It's off uh, Cape Horn. And in a sense, uh, the rest of the book is how you got to that point. Mm. <laughs> so let's start at the beginning. You were a water baby. Yeah, I was. I suppose I was very lucky that Dingle Bay and Dingle Harbour was always our swimming pool. And like most young children at that time, now risk has completely changed. You know, be jumping off boats and jumping off piers was just the rite of passage. Yeah. Now, now would your dad have been, you know, throw you in? And let you sink or swim, but knowing yeah. that he could pull you out at any moment. Yeah, a lot of people have 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 said it to me over time that maybe I should have rethought that, that every Sunday we were thrown in and, yeah. and every Sunday we were brought back out and thrown in again. But I think it was the, the excitement of arriving at the beach by boat yeah. and then we'd jump in and we'd swim to the shore. So it's all part mm. of the... We still kind of do that. I, mm. I know with my children in a swimming pool, mm. you throw them up in the air and then you catch them. They splash mm. into the water, but you catch them yeah. and it gives them a comfort in the water, mm. even though it's dad or mom who's mm. catching them. Um, in a sense, they get used to uh, the alien environment of the water, which for you became mm. second nature. And I think so, yeah, because like at that time, jumping off piers, I mean, even with the, the Dingle Regatta and, and there was a swim and nobody ever asked if we could swim. You know, there was the greasy pole. There was just amazing adventure at that time. So, yeah. But you do tell a story early in the book mm. about a neighbour's nephew who was visiting mm. uh, called Gerard. And Jared wasn't the best kind of open water swimmer in the world. What happened? Well, you see, we would always gather people to come with us. And this, I remember this day so vividly because I was the youngest and I was the smallest. And everybody jumped off the boat and swam into the beach at Slaudine. That's what people did. Yes, they did. And I was at the back. And next thing I heard the screaming and Daddy was saying, Nula! And my biggest panic when I turned around to see Jared going up and down was that one, I'd be taken out of the water and second, I'd be killed for bringing yeah. him. It was never that Jared would drown. And, and Jared was in that situation where I don't want to stay here because they've all gone. They're all swimming. Yeah. And uh, even though he didn't have the ability yeah. really yeah. to do that kind of swim. But I think at the time we used to all go up and down and up and down and the hope at some point you'd stay up. You know, you just, but that was it. You just jump off and you'd be up and down and suddenly someone I'm, I'm tempted to, to say to our listeners, do not try this at home. <laughs> um, you were, uh, there's no doubt, a swimming prodigy as, as a child. Mm. Um, do you remember the first time you came across fungi? I really remember it so vividly because we were at being born and we used to jump off the rocks and sometimes it could be 10 feet and somebody saw a fin and everyone was screaming jaws because it had been in and around, we were screaming and then all of a sudden, um, this beautiful gliding and I remember the panic running to the shore trying to we were running on the water but he was so huge and we were so small but so graceful so beautiful yeah. and over the years many mm. times oh, yeah. you swam with fungi he was sense. my training partner yeah and, and and sometimes when I was training for two and three hours under the lighthouse you know this beautiful beautiful smile would approach and as he got older I often wondered if he would look at me and I would look at him the mm. same way now uh, what about you know doing a job what was your job 
Um, I work in a lot of areas. I have a small retail business, but I worked in tourism around the world and then I, I work in schools. I teach first aid and I do no, but, uh, stuff. In those early days, um, I mean, I know that you trained as a uh, Coast Guard mm, and you trained mm. to drive the rib and so mm. on. You yeah. did all of those things, but I suspect they were your part time activities. Um, I worked in hotels around the world for many years with the Hyatt Hotel Group. So I found a lot of swimming in the Cayman Islands and, and in Switzerland. I swim across Geneva, Lake Geneva and Lake Zurich. So I think around the world, working in those areas, swimming was a huge part for yeah. me. So, yeah, I always... You always found the water wherever you were. Yeah, I could never live inland. Mm. Yeah. Now, um, triathlons. Mm. Um, you love the water. Mm. The cycling and the running? You know what? Living in Dingle, cycling around Slay Head was what we would do. And then the Ring of Kerry became huge. And then when I wanted to do a triathlon, I had never ran before in my life, but I would just visualise running three fields. So when I started into triathlon, I think the most amazing thing is that I couldn't fit into that sport. I wasn't able to slot myself in because I didn't fit. They were lean, mean fighting machines. Uh, Yeah, in those days, Mm. the triathlon was an elite sport. Now lots of people do triathlons and they train for them and so on. Your first triathlon in 2002 was Mm. the king of the hill in Kitsay. Now tell me, What's that like? Do you know what? I arrived on the beach and I was so confident. I always had this real self-belief within myself that I could just do it. But then when everybody was running and and I didn't fit in, I remember thinking, like, how am I going to get through this? But then at the end, I was the last and I decided to go home to Dingle and I'm going to set up my own events. No, but you, but you vividly portray this in the book. Yeah. You arrive in. Yeah. You've done a time which would be respectable today yeah. for yeah. kind of amateur triathletes. Yeah. But all the banners have been taken down. Yeah. Everybody gone was gone. There was one man and, and he was an older man, probably younger than me now. But I remember thinking, I can't be in his picture because I'm behind him. And I hid behind a car. And was there someone making sure you got there? Well, like, there was a lovely lady. Th- they counted them, everybody oh, back. There was a lovely lady at the finish line and she was clapping for me. But I thought, where is everybody else? <laughs> <laughs> They'd all finished and gone. And, and do you know what? I In my events after that, Pat, I set it up. So the people, I give medals to the people who finish last because yeah. sometimes it's harder for people to start than others to finish. Yeah. Um, and I mean, that was, I think completing one of those things is a triumph anyway for, yeah. for, for anybody. It's so important. Um, so you went back to Dingle and you reassessed. I decided, you know what, I'm going to set and, and we when we started our swims, we would always start groups of people and we put a lead swimmer. But the strong people would go at the back to ensure that the people in the middle finished. For us, it was always that we all got there. Yeah. And I suppose that was an ethos that came true my entire life. Now, you've done many, many other things which are chronicled in the book. Now, tell me when you got into cold water swimming. Well, I suppose we always had cold water. Here we do. We do. You know, so swimming for hours on end and exposing ourselves to those cold temperatures, that was always a way of life for us. Swimming through the winter was, I never swam in a pool. So swimming through the winter was our norm. Um, And then in 2006, I think the difference between the cold and the extreme is being able to stay for long periods of time in the cold water. So in 2006, I was invited to be part of a team to swim around Ireland. So the 2005-06 you know, we this spent, was a kind of a relay team. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was 56 days and there was six main swimmers. And then during that time, as you're breaking down, your body's getting weaker, the miles are getting longer. So you're exposing yourself to greater risk. So I think the cold and then being on boats for 16 to 18 hours a day, holding on, being wet and having to go in again. I mean, that sets you up to take on any challenge. Except that people are saying you're quite mad <laughs> to be doing things like yeah, this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, when I was waiting for the taxi this morning now, there was a bit of panic. <laughs> so I think everything is relative. I think when you're in the game, it's very hard to come out. Mm. And then when you start to realise what's 
possible and then the team around you, it, it, there is an addiction to that depth of pushing. Now, you're uh, a qualified scuba driver. You have yeah. so many, you, you're utterly at home, really, in any aspect yeah. of the water. But when it comes to extreme cold, mm. um, that's something else. How yeah. cold did you swim? I mean, you had to break open ice to swim in some of the waters. Yeah, but at that time in 2012, we were invited to Siberia. The air temperature was minus 33, so everything freezes. Like when you're breathing, our hair was frozen and you're just breathing out and it freezes. Does that um, mean when you got into the water, when you broke the ice and got into the water, that the water was warmer than the air temperature? Yeah. It has to be because it's still liquid. Yeah, so if you breaststroke, it actually was warmer than if you take your arms out because when you take your arms out, your hands were freezing. But it was actually, I was so excited at the time that what a, what an amazing adventure. But what I loved about it is I had just swam 26 kilometres across Lake Zurich, 12 hour swim. And then I got into Siberia, I got into this freezing water and, and my breathing was taken immense, immensely so quickly and I was stopped in my tracks. And there was something exciting about like, oh my God, what stopped me? And that excited me. So when I got home, I was mortified that I had only swam 150 metres and I had decided to take on a thousand metres because I thought who, who gets out of bed for a thousand metres like I was this yeah. is only a tiny swim but then when I got home and I had all of these things that had pushed me back I only two other women in the world at that time and a few men had actually completed a thousand metres at zero I just sat down at home and said right okay what stopped me what can I work on how do I change the panic like where did the anxiety come from how do I figure out how to swim and breathe like there was so much going on now, um, there's so much in the book and there are so many things that you've accomplished uh, throughout your life. But you started the book uh, with uh, this uh, ambition to swim in one of the most, well, the most dangerous and vol mm. volatile seas in the world. And that is the Drake Passage. Uh, tell me about that and why you wanted to do it. Yeah, it's, it's really strange when you decide to do something and then you do it and then you look back at it. The memories are completely changed. The reason you do something isn't ever when you look back and peel back the layers why it actually happened. I remember at the time I was going through this area of my life where like I could rock up with 70% and achieve things. Yeah. And I hated looking in the mirror and knowing that I wasn't as strong as everybody thought I was. That was a big issue for me. And the opportunity came early on to do this swim at Cape Horn because it had been taught it as being a swim and you know everybody excites themselves at these situations now sliding off a rib in the middle of the Bering Strait at three o'clock in the morning requires a certain degree of madness so I think that was already in the brain and then the opportunity came that there was a swim opportunity to go down to the southern tip of Cape Horn but then to go further into the Drake Passage because that's a hundred nautical miles south of the most southern tip of South America where there's no land east or west as the world turns so you have the excited oceans of the Pacific the Atlantic, the Antarctic, and they are racing. But there was something in it that you don't really realise what it is until you're there. You're exposed at that point. It's not a spoiler to say you made it because you're here. <laughs> you know what? Absolutely. But it's a beauty of the team and putting the team together that'll ensure getting you out and getting you there. So, yeah. Well, the book is called Limitless. Uh, From Dingle to Cape Horn, Finding My True North in the Earth's Vastest Oceans. It's a brilliant book and it's author Nuala Moore. Nuala, thank you very much for joining us on the programme. And thank you this so morning. much, Pat. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9am on News Talk.